0: Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the Fail to Fail Podcast with your host,
1: Don Abernathy. Digitized live in the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. It's the Fail to Fail Podcast with your host, Don Abernathy. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us for another episode. And let's go ahead and get some of the uncomfortable stuff out of the way. If you Enjoy the Fail to Fail podcast. Uh first and foremost, share us with all of your friends. The best way to build an audience for a podcast is through word of mouth. As you know, you can download the fail to fail podcast at our website, failtofail.com, or download it on Apple Podcasts. I always want to say Apple iTunes because that's what it's been for years, but it's now Apple Podcasts because they want to get hip to the cause now. So Apple Podcasts, Google Music Play, Spotify Stitcher, pretty much anywhere fine podcasts are available. And while you're at it, please check out our website, failtofail.com. Click on the Amazon link, save it to your desktop or your toolbar. And whenever you shop on Amazon, just go ahead and click on that link. As as we like to say in my other podcast, it will not cost you a but they will send us a few coins and that will help support the show, help us buy new equipment and bring you fine, fine content. And last but not least, while you're there, go ahead and click on that Patreon link. We have three tiers. We got the dollar baller plan. Cost you $1 a month. They simply take $1 a month out of your account. They're not going to hit you for 12 bucks for the full year. It's just a dollar a month. Same with the $3.50 plan, which ironically is called the OG5 plan, but we will get into that later. And, of course, we have the Long Arms Deep Pocket plan. That one is $7.50 a month. If you sign up for that plan after month two, I will email you and I will send you a link to choose the t-shirt of your liking from the Digital 410 t-shirt store. Any of our podcast shirts, including the fail to fail podcast, we will send you away. Thank you guys so much. And on with the show. You know, the fail to fail we kind of have a theme here and we've done episodes about failing to fail in a pof, pof, profession, possession, a pof, profession. I can't talk tonight. I just ran three miles, but um, that's not the whole point of this. So we've talked about failing to fail in a certain profession, um, choices on what to eat and your fitness plan. And basically all the things that you have a life choice about, uh, whether you're making the correct choice and what you're wanting to do with your life and how to find success in that, But tonight, we're going to change things up a little bit because we're going to talk about failing to fail and finding ways to achieve goals when you've been dealt, well, a a bad hand, and that is when it comes to diseases. And joining us tonight, uh, you'll recognize her voice because, well, she's the voice of the Digital 410 Network. And, uh, well, we're going to share her medical history and how she's discovered... That uh, can be really, um, not conquered per se, but I would say, um, challenged mentally, and through, um, basically, hard work and thoughts. And joining us now is Carrie Troxel. Carrie, how you doing? She's mean mugging me, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. How you doing, Carrie?
0: I'm doing good.
1: Doing good. You nervous? Yep, very. Well, you've talked in these microphones before.
0: I guess <laughs> when I was doing your intros. Digital 410 Productions <laughs> proudly presents the Fail to Fail podcast with your host, Don Abernathy.
1: So anyhow, this is about you, and we're going to call this episode Living with Lupus, because that's one of the diseases you found out you had late in life. But before that, I would say about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, it seemed to hit you at night. You would wake up crying and in pain. And you would describe it as feeling like someone was crushing your bones with a pair of vice grips. And we couldn't figure out what was wrong with you. And the pain, the fatigue of dealing with that pain, really affected the way um, you were able to function, to be honest. And after a while, someone figured out that you had...
0: Fibromyalgia.
1: That Mm -hmm. in itself can be really uh, debilitating, especially when it comes to, well, A, dealing with the physical feeling that your bones are being crushed, but the fatigue and all that, correct? Yes. For those who is, aren't familiar with what exactly fibromyalgia is, let's give a little crash course, a little um, Web and D version of it, if you will.
0: I guess it's where you it affects all areas of your body, so it's chronic pain throughout. It's not just focused in one area. You may feel it in your knees, in your arms, your shoulders. Um,
1: it's kind of a nerve. Um, issue, central nervous system kind of thing, because it literally affects every part of your body.
0: Yes. When I was first diagnosed with that, I had gone to a rheumatologist and they tested me for um, Lyme disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and actually lupus back then as well. But um, since all of those came back negative, they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. And there's no real test for that. It's just they push in all these different pressure points. And if you feel pain in, I guess, the majority of them, then they diagnose you with fibromyalgia.
1: And so there's really no test per se, but there's also really no treatment. They basically give you a couple of different courses of uh, antidepressants and just say, hey, uh, deal with it. Deal with it." Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do. But as we said, you know, you're literally... Living in constant pain, and this developed in your life in gosh, your early 30s.
0: Yes, that's when it first started in my early 30s, and it drastically changed the quality of my life from that point on.
1: Sure, I mean, anybody who tries to do anything in life, whether it's athletics, uh, going out with your friends, going to dinner, uh, cooking classes, dancing, whatever it may be, whenever you're trying to do all these activities, but you're in constant pain, it's almost probably easier just to say, I'm going to go home and lay in bed.
0: Exactly. Because since you're in constant pain, you develop depression Mm -hmm. um, because you don't know how to deal with the pain. You can't describe the pain to others. And since you look physically well on the outside, they just think, oh, it's in your head or you're a hypochondriac and you just need to get some rest to get some more sleep or exercise and they just quick to give you all these um suggestions when they can't relate to what you're dealing with
1: and at a certain point you kind of feel like you're on an island because no one with the exception of other people with fibromyalgia but even those people have a different level and so you really think that there's no one out there who understands what i'm going through and and how i'm feeling and it's got that in itself got to feel like a constant battle
0: it is and it was. And then you, I guess you're looking for support from people and since they can't relate or they don't understand, or maybe they're tired of hearing you complain about it, that you just feel that nobody is supporting with you with it and like, I don't know, that nobody really cares to hear about it.
1: Well, and unlike a lot of other diseases like cancer or, you know, what have you, usually there's a physical uh, appearance mm-hmm. that one's body undergoes after a long term of having that disease, you know, like I said, leukemia, cancer, um, having a, you know, a bad heart where you just, you age quickly. But with fibromyalgia, you really, it doesn't have an outward effect as far as appearance goes. And so people just see you schlumping around like it's a normal work day mm-hmm. or normal life, but something's wrong with Carrie. She's just not wanting to do anything. What's her deal?
0: Exactly. Like people would invite me to go and hang out or, You know, even family members ask you to go do stuff and um, I would say no a lot and they just kind of either got tired of asking me or just thought I was just trying to get out of doing stuff and that there was no real reason, I guess.
1: And then the other thing you started to face was despite being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, you were having other issues going on that didn't show up as a telltale sign or a quote-unquote side effect of having fibromyalgia, uh, such as marks on your your skin when you spend too much time outside, um, being tired all the time. I mean, we know that fibromyalgia causes pain, and pain can cause you to be a little lethargic, but you would think after a while your body would adjust for that, and even though you're in a constant pain, you wouldn't be... It's one thing to be tired, I guess, but it's another thing to be downright exhausted from the most small amount of movement right and so you're constantly going back to doctors and doctors and saying hey you got wrong with me and everybody says oh you got fibromyalgia here's some antidepressants mm-hmm. get over it
0: well back when i was diagnosed with fibromyalgia i was working um somewhere and i didn't have medical insurance so once i got that diagnosis it was just like okay that's what i have and i quit kind of going to the doctors because i couldn't afford it but the pain was just unbearable. And like you said, um, I would have reactions to going to the beach or go the, going to the tanning bed. I used to go to the tanning bed a lot, but it seemed like every time I would go, I would break out in a horrible rash. So I quit doing that and I thought, Oh, I'm just allergic to tanning beds, which kind of sounds silly. But, um, so I always just thought, man, I must have the worst case of fibromyalgia ever because I just felt like I couldn't do nothing. And then I finally, you know, now I have my career and I have insurance, so I, I kept going to a rheumatologist. And she, she kept telling me, no, I think you have lupus. But when she would test me, the tests wouldn't show that. And she, but she kept testing me and testing me and testing me because she was positive that I had that.
1: Because apparently with the way lupus and the way the testing works, uh, lupus really doesn't show up on any of their conventional tests except for when you're in what they call a flare. And that's when all your levels are completely out of whack, all your numbers are off. Um, That's when you're at your worst when it comes to the exhaustion, the inability to uh, really get up and do much. It's not until you have one of those episodes that the test can actually find it. And so you're kind of playing the, the lottery almost and hoping that you're, because with the way the medical industry works nowadays, especially with the health insurance being nonsense and the doctors being overloaded, when you get an appointment, it's not tomorrow. It's three weeks from now. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that your body's going to sync up with that doctor's appointment three weeks from now and that you're going to be in a flare during that moment? So if you don't happen to win that lottery, there's a good chance there's people out there who have been tested, who have it, but because they weren't in a flare and they probably got a little, um, I don't want to say disenchanted, but just kind of worn out by the whole thing that they just stopped going to the test. And they don't know what they're dealing with. But in your case, you you kind of won that bad lottery, I guess. It's not one that anybody wanted to win, but you were, I guess, fortunate enough to have one of your flare ups during the testing, and that's when they got the numbers they were looking for and were able to tell you. Not only do you have fibromyalgia, but now you got lupus.
0: Exactly. And when she told me that, it was first off, it was devastating to hear because it was scary. Um, I don't know. I didn't know nothing about lupus, and she just told me. Okay, it came back that you have lupus and you have one of the worst types of lupus. And so, of course, you hear that and you're scared. But um, it was also kind of relieving, I guess, because I finally had an answer to the pain that I was feeling. And I knew that, hey, guys, it's not all in my head. There's actually something wrong.
1: (laughs) Well, you basically got medical justification to tell the world that you're not crazy. Right. That all the problems you're having, all the ailments, all the things that are going on with your body... They are, in fact true and actually have a name and a condition, but now, like everything else, is there treatment for it. And for those of you at home who aren't familiar with fibromyalgia, chances are if you're listening to this episode because of the name, you probably suffer for it from it. but for those of you who aren't exactly familiar with it, uh fibromyalgia is an anti immune disease. Uh, I'm sorry, uh what's the phrase I'm looking for? Autoimmune? Autoimmune disease, not anti-immune. Autoimmune disease. Now, you hear that phrase and you automatically, if you're old like us, because they really don't talk about it too much, when you hear that thing, you think of HIV and AIDS. It's not anything like that. It's not sexually transmitted. It's not anything that severe. But it is common at, in the realm because it is, in fact, your body's immune system fighting itself. It's fighting against your body. And so imagine your white blood cells are bored. Maybe they're drunk. they got nothing going on. They've had all this training, they're ready to go to war, and they finally just say, hey, let's get that guy over there, Mm -hmm. even though he's a good guy. And so your body's basically turning on itself. And so not only are your bones feeling like they're constantly being crushed from the fibromyalgia and all the nerve pain and all the side effects of that, but now you have your body turning on you, and you're dealing with the exhaustion and all the uh, physical attributes of lupus. And one of the things you found out through research is that in the lupus community they have a theory that they try to use to explain to outsiders the feeling the condition and the energy expenditure of lupus and it has to do with spoons Mm -hmm.
0: they call i think they call themselves spoonies or the spoon theory is um where say you wake up in in the morning and you start your day off with 10 spoons so just waking up you're using one spoon just getting out of bed, you're using a spoon. And then say you go and take a shower and you blow dry your hair. There's two more spoons gone. So they're saying that each activity costs a spoon. And then you have to kind of, what do you say, juggle the activities um, the, so you don't run out of spoons before the day's over. Mm-hmm. or Moderation. Yeah, and in case you don't dip into tomorrow's spoons and today so you kind of you're limited on what you can do in a day if you follow that
1: so you run the risk of by Friday or Thursday just being completely wiped out if Monday Tuesday and Wednesday your schedule is completely overloaded because now you're using you know you're breaking into the closet getting out the spoons that are set aside for next week's picnic and you're just breaking them out now for today's buffet and so Friday comes along you're eating with your hands
0: yeah and you don't have forks <laughs> but there's been days that I've been completely drained and I've spent the entire day in bed and I could sleep the entire day or I can just, you don't want to move because you're in pain and then you may delay in bed and just cry all day because you're depressed that your body's doing that to you.
1: But unfortunately with your line of work, you have to save those days for the weekends or bank holidays because you have a job. Thank God you have a great work ethic. You're one of the few people left who get up and go to work every day even if they're, they're sick and they physically have an ailment and a legitimate medical reason for these ailment, you still suffer through it and go to go to work.
0: Exactly. You have to put on your fake smile and kind of hide what you're feeling inside because yeah, I have a job to do. I can't just stay home.
1: And so with lupus, they give you a whole nother string of medications. Obviously, you're immune system's attacking your body, so now you're in a, kind of a weakened condition. Um, you run the risk of getting sick easier than your your counterpart. Um, you kind of run the risk of injury almost, and so they start giving you one steroid, and so that has an effect on your body.
0: Yeah, that was the first thing I think that she gave me was um, prednisone, and I was on it for several months. It wasn't just like one... but ba- um.
1: One course? Yeah,
0: one course of it. I think I was on it for maybe four months, four to five months. Um, so with that, that was challenging because that was um, during Hurricane Irma was when I was first diagnosed. So here I am on steroids um, sitting around the house eating rash, <laughs> junk food that we for the hurricane, so um, for those
1: of you who aren't familiar, about two years ago, a little past, oh, is it been a year or two years? For what? Irma. For,
0: I think it's been two years now. Two years
1: ago, we got hit with a hurricane, and the side of the town we live on, we have well water, mm-hmm. and we lost power for sixteen long days. And so, when you don't have power, you don't have water. And so, basically, every day we'd get up, go fill up a five-gallon jerry can, and uh, she was. At home, dealing with the animals in a house with no a c at all, and I worked in Randy at the time, so I had to go to work and I think after day seven, someone was nice enough to loan us their generator, one of the listeners of the radio show I produced because they had gotten their power back, and we were still without power Fast forward Carrie's dealing with the animals every day dealing um, when we got the generator that allowed us to have power but no AC, it wasn't that strong, so I went out and got a portable AC, which kept our living room to a cool 89 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're dealing with all that. You're dealing with your your lupus, because it's flaring up like mad. You're on the steroids. You're on a whole different slew of other medications that's affecting you that most doctors would probably, I would assume, prefer you take those while in a climate-controlled environment, but that's not the case.
0: No, I think at that time... I remember taking a picture of all the medicine that I was on. I think I had like seven bottles laid out on the table of all the different medications I had to take during that time.
1: And wash them down with Pop-Tarts and potato chips.
0: (laughs) So needless to say, I ended up gaining, I think, 30 30 to 40 pounds. Yeah, 30 to 40
1: pounds because obviously she didn't gain 40 pounds during 16 days. Exactly. But the steroids packed on weight. And mm-hmm. over, I'd say over what two years?
0: Maybe. Yeah, so, the two.
1: No, no, about a year and a half. Um, because of the steroids, because of the exhaustion from the fibromyalgia and the depression from the, I'm sorry, the depression from the fibromyalgia, the exhaustion and the being all wiped out from the lupus. You just you get up, you go to work, and you come home, and you're just exhausted, and so it it limits your mobility. And it really causes you to change your lifestyle in a way that you're finding things that you can do while being sedimentary to allow your body to try to heal.
0: Exactly. And I think once you hear that you have something like lupus or fibromyalgia, and then you start reading about it, and it tells you, oh, you're going to be exhausted, you're going to to be in pain, so you start telling yourself that too, and you start telling yourself um, that I can't do that because I have lupus or... I can't go and work out or go to the gym because I have lupus because I also know that doing those activities, well, I told myself that that was one of the reasons why I was super exhausted. So I don't want to say I used it as an excuse because I was in pain and I did feel like I couldn't do that, but now looking back, I guess it kind of was an excuse on some level.
1: Well, I'm glad you took the conversation down that road because as you're talking about the spoon theory, some of you probably heard that in the background. I was actually writing notes. And the question I have, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because of where you're at now, but we'll just let it go naturally. The question I have for you now looking back, do you think the spoon theory, the theory that you have spoons, that you only can use 10 today, if you use more than 10 today, you're breaking in tomorrow's batch, do you think By subscribing to that theory, (laughs) brainwashing is a bit of a strong term, but let's say conditioning your mind and your spirit to accept the fact that immobility is a new lifestyle for you and that it's not your choice, it's just what your body is choosing for you?
0: I think so. I think it can be that, but I don't want to say that's the same for everyone because every case of lupus is different. Sure. But I do think that it kind of made me think that way. Like, okay, I know I'm only able to do this today, so I'm not going to try to do anything else because I don't want to get into my tomorrow's spoons. But I think it's also that you have to listen to your own body Mm -hmm. and what your body says that you can do. And I don't think I was really doing that. I was telling my body what I could do, if that makes sense.
1: Sure, absolutely. And to be fair to you, though, as you stated earlier, the lupus you have is one of the worst ones, and when they say that, they mean that the strain—I don't know if "strain" is the correct word. I'm not a medical doctor, but the the—I
0: guess that's just the type.
1: The type of lupus you have has a tendency, a history of attacking the kidneys. Yeah,
0: that's what she told me. That and if
1: stuff. you they don't keep the numbers under control, you know, you could potentially have to get a kidney transplant when you mm-hmm. get older.
0: I know. The one thing that she scared me about, and I never thought I would hear that word with it, but um, one time when she tested me, my numbers were so high that she was testing my blood work every, I think at that time, I was going there almost every month, or every two months. And she was saying that if my numbers didn't go down, we'd have to try chemotherapy.
1: And then she walked out of the room.
0: Yeah, I was like, what? What?
1: If that's not a glimpse, and and this is by no means a um, mm-hmm. indictment on her ability to be a doctor, but it just goes to show you how overworked they are now, in order to pay for their practice and create a bad word profit, um, they gotta basically streamline how many clients they can see because the insurance company and Medicaid, Medicare, they're really ratcheting them down on how much they're willing to pay on people's visits, and so now they're forced to fit in as many people as a day as they can, which means that leads leaves less times to have an in-depth conversation with you about what she means when she says, hey, we may have to start chemo if we don't get your numbers down.
0: Right. You hear chemo and you're thinking cancer, and I'm, all these visions are going through my head.
1: But Well, then part of you probably thinks, are you looking at the right chart? I have lupus. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. What does
1: chemo have to do with lupus? I don't have cancer. Do I? No. Because one of the other side effects is, you're not supposed to be out in direct sunlight. Exactly. You're supposed to go out between what, like seven a.m. and 11
0: Mm-hmm. Something like that. It was um, kind of funny one time. It's summer in Florida, and I was talking about taking my daughter to sunsplash or going to the beach or going swimming, and she said, "Yeah, sure, you can go as long as you go." Before 10 o'clock or after 6 o'clock, I think she said. Basically,
1: you have to go during the times which the water park is officially closed.
0: <laughs> or I can wear long-sleeved shirts and pants, is what she suggested me do.
1: And if there's anybody listening from the Cape Coral Parks and Recs, <laughs> I think that's the department who owns Sunsplash. Marketing idea for you, Lupus Night. Stay open late so okay. people can come out, enjoy the pool and the water slide when the sun's down. So they can come out and enjoy your, your water park and not be out in the direct sunlight. And other people will show up too because, let's be honest, your concrete sidewalks and steps on the water slides are way too hot when it's 100 degrees outside. But we digress. Yeah. And so now you're dealing with this new lifestyle change. And not only do you have the depression from the fibromyalgia, but now you're suffering from weight gain. Um, you're not able to do all the things you used to do or want to do. I mean, you used to be a scuba diver and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And one of the other things you realize, looking back, now that you had lup- know you have lupus and you started to investigate the side effects, there were some side effects that you can remember clearly having all the way back to the age you're like 7 or 8.
0: Yes. I remember um, lupus can cause you to have sores in your mouth and mm-hmm. sores in your nose. But I used to get sores in my mouth, like around my cheek side, and my mom would always say, quit biting your cheek, and, but I wasn't. I would get them, you know, they would just pop up. But that's one of the signs of lupus. And,
1: and so for all you know, you may have had lupus for most of your life. Because once again, yes. I, I, and sure I know you've done a lot of research, but I don't think you know either, lupus isn't like a late-onset type disease. It's just something that pretty much lays dormant in something in the genetics.
0: I think so. I think it can be um, hereditary or not.
1: But I think, (laughs) I guess my point is, I guess, if you're going to have it, you've always had it. It's not like you go to the park and pick up lupus.
0: I don't know. No, that's on us. Yeah, I guess I would have to look, but I, I know that people mostly get diagnosed with it in their 30s. And it's more common in women and also I think African Americans, but Men can also have it, and I think I read somewhere that if men do have it, it's 10 times worse than that. Like, the symptoms are worse sure. for men than they are for women.
1: Looking back, I do remember a young cat when I uh, was, gosh, I was probably in my mid 20s. I knew a guy who had lupus, but he didn't exactly live the healthiest of lifestyles, big on the party, and all that, and so I don't think he really managed himself very much and I think he also got jaundice too, but I think it did affect him pretty hard from what i mm-hmm. what I can remember but i he was somebody I worked with It wasn't somebody I knew you know super close so I, I really don't know how that turned out for him but now through th- changes in your life, let's just say um we you know we want to save some private things that are private but um a family member of ours we had to get their health under control, a young child, and um, it came to our attention that we needed to help them regulate their diet more. And so we decided to stop buying potato chips, mm-hmm. stop bringing junk food home. Um, we kind of, and I had been doing it a while because after I had my kidney stones, I, and I was pushing, I think at my heaviest, I was, <sighs> Two thirty, no, two forty-eight. I was getting ready to push two fifty, and I was shopping for a size thirty-eight pant. And I suffered from kidney stones because at the time I was drinking three Monster Energies a day, two five-hour Energies, probably six or seven Mountain Dews, not counting what I had at home for dinner. Working two jobs, getting averaging four hours of sleep a night, and I ended up having a kidney stone. And so I basically dropped all the sodas, everything, cold turkey, went strictly water and Gatorade. And I had always been going to the gym, but because my diet was so poor, um, lifting weights was not a way to lose weight. So I was just putting muscle on underneath my fat, and I wasn't doing any real cardio of anything. And so, and my diet was such garbage, I didn't really lose any weight. But when I cut off the soda, and I cut my carbs down by half, the weight started falling off, and I was actually completely on water and Gatorade up until Irma, and thus the 16 days without water and soda was plentiful. And then I got back on the soda kick, but my weight started falling off dramatically. And I kind of started doing the, not keto, but uh, ketosis where I would get to the point where I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't eat until 12 o'clock. I'd go to Publix. I'd get a um, quarter pound of lunch meat, sausalito, Turkey, boar's head, some cheese, mix it together, tear it up. And I was just eating protein Um, water, Gatorade, and the weight started coming off. And so fast forward, we kind of took what I had been doing and where basically try to stay away from breakfast, lunch, cut your carbs out, dinner, we would just make a regular dinner. Mm -hmm. But the key was we would make a regular dinner. We stopped going out. Mm -hmm. We stopped going to the fast food. if we did get a fast food, we would no French fries. We could try to minimize the carbs. And just through diet change alone, you lost 30 pounds?
0: I believe so. I was like 25, 30 pounds.
1: Primarily the biggest thing. I wasn't
0: exercising, just
1: cutting out the junk food. Yeah, and the primary thing we did was, the big thing was uh, potato chips, Mm -hmm. um, junky soda, um, basically a lot of carb stuff. I mean, one thing we were good about is we don't add sugar to anything. We really don't use a lot of condiments. And so it was just basically, we were heavy on carbs. Yeah, a lot of macaroni cheeses, of a lot of pastas, a lot of yeah, uh, different I kind of pasta. Doritos. <laughs> but cutting all that out, um, you lost a tremendous amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're laying this all out is what's getting ready to happen. And, and, and I kind of feel that this is important. And this is what we want to get out to people in the lupus community. I had injured my elbow. I, I was going, I got to the point um, well, I was going to the gym twice a day. I was getting up in the morning, going to the gym, coming home from work, eating, and then going to the gym, and then coming home, going to bed, rinse and repeat. And so the weight, you know, I went from 238 down to 222, 218, 214. And then I blew out my elbow. And then I was having severe back pains. But I discovered the sciatic nerve pain I have um, the more stationary I was, the worse it got. And but I, I blew out my elbow and my shoulder, so I didn't, I couldn't lift weights. And part of my gym regimen was, is I would run thirty minutes on the treadmill before I started lifting weights. Um, and or sometimes I would do the weightlifting for forty-five minutes and then run thirty minutes on the treadmill. But I found treadmill running is the dullest, boring thing in the world. And if you guys are into treadmills, I'm not dogging that. Please keep keep pounding that that treadmill. But for me personally. I can only sit there and watch so much American Ninja Warrior at the gym. And so one day I decided around the neighborhood, I was going to, since I couldn't lift weights, my back was messed up, I was just going to try to run around the block. Long story short, I got into running. Weight started falling off more. I started running more and going to the gym less. So now I go to the gym maybe twice, three times a week instead of five times a week and running, running. And now not only was I started losing weight, but I was starting to tone up. And I tried to get you to run with me, but once again, you only have so many spoons a day. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with, you know, I just can't do it. I'm I'm wiped out.
0: I didn't think I could run around the block, especially, you know, the shape I was in. I wasn't the healthiest. I I was overweight. Granted, I started losing the weight by, you know, cutting out the junk food, like you said. But I still didn't feel like that was something I could do. Or at least I told myself I couldn't do it.
1: But there's an interesting phenomenon in the human spirit, if you will, and that is people are motivated by their own things. One thing that motivates me is not going to motivate, motivate you. One thing that motivates you is not going to motivate your, your cousin, what have you. And so one day you were going through Facebook, and you discovered that one of your coworkers not only had lupus, but was running 5Ks, 10Ks, her and her husband were tag team in Spartan races, Mm -hmm. and you're like, wait a minute. I thought I couldn't do that. Yeah. All the research and all the support groups I'm part of are conditioning me to prepare myself for a more sedimentary lifestyle. But here's somebody who's doing it.
0: Exactly. If you look at her, she's the best shape, super fit, um once again, lupus isn't always visible on the outside. So you would have never known. And um, like you said, I was scrolling through Facebook and she would tag things um, like hashtag lupus won't win. So I was like, Hmm, I wonder if she has lupus or maybe she knows somebody who has lupus. So then I asked her, you know, the next day I saw that you tagged this and she said, yeah, she has lupus. And I was thinking to myself, how in the world could she possibly have lupus? Look at her. She's in excellent shape. And she's running well, 10Ks. and
1: Well, not only that, but you're not an outsider looking in. You're, you're inside looking mm-hmm. in. You're like, hey, I have the same disease. I know how she feels. How, and we both work the same job. Exactly. We both have kids. How is she pulling us off? It's almost like it's going against everything that you've been conditioning yourself for.
0: Mm-hmm. And I asked her, how do you do it? And she said, some days it's really hard. But um, she pushes herself. And she also said, you you know, you have to listen to your body. You're not going to be able to do it every single day. And there's going to be days that you really can't do it. And, you know, but I guess she said it's hard and you just push through it.
1: Well, and anybody who's run, even if you don't have lupus or fibromyalgia or both for that matter. Um, as I jokingly say, I don't run for the feeling, feeling I get while I'm running because that's not fun. I... uh You know, I'm getting used to it now, and and I'm starting to enjoy it more, but when you first start, there's no enjoyment in the feeling of running. You run for the feeling that you get after you're done running, and that's part of the reason why it's fun to run with other people because you guys can all share in the suck. But you're just looking at like, how how do I do this? And one day you decide, well, let's give it a shot.
0: Mm -hmm. I remember, well... My daughter was going to go try it, and she had been running with you. And um, we thought maybe if I kind of joined in on it, too, it would help motivate her more to do it as well. Sure. Um, I remember the day that we tried it, and you're like, well, anybody can run a mile. And I'm like, no way. I can't do that. And, you know, halfway down the block, I felt so winded, and I wanted to stop. But I did it.
1: (laughs) You did the mile. I
0: did the mile.
1: Because what you would soon discover is the same principle that a lot of martial arts rely on. And to be quite frankly, not that I ever served, but due to my research and um, my association with people who have served, that's kind of what the same thing that boot camp relies on. And that is teaching you that your mind can make your body overcome things that you never thought it could. And part of the way you run long distances is it's mental you after a while you've got to train your body almost that you have different speeds and now your your slow jog is your new walking speed and then you adjust accordingly and once you get your body into that regiment while you're running you can just go off in your head Mm -hmm. and think about other things it's almost like a therapy session you have your music on your body's in autopilot at that point and as long as you can conquer that and get used to that thought that, hey, yes, this sucks. My body hurts. And your body hurts more than others' people's, but everybody who runs in pain. I mean, that's why we all have that lovely look on our face when you see the photos from the races. We're all in pain, just you're more pain than the rest of us. But it's hard to do, but you've got to figure out a way to, one, accept that this is something you want to do. And figure out a way to tell your body that you can do it.
0: I agree. And, you know, after that first mile, then the next day ran a little bit more. Um, It got easier with each day. And I guess then we were almost running every single day at at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of made me think or forget the fact that, hey, I have lupus or you have an autoimmune disease and you shouldn't be able to do this. I kind of forgot that I even had it because I w- I felt like I was feeling the best that I had in years. And I don't know if it's because I was, I guess it is because I was doing the exercise or maybe just not focusing on it so much. But I remember, though, it did hit me again, and I spent one day in bed crying, and I was so depressed. And
1: well, not only that, but your knee swelled up on you too yeah. because you, you <laughs> suffered from runner's knee because you pushed yourself a little too far. But before we hit that, I want to back out to something you said. And it's a trick that I use, and the greatest thing about the term anybody can run a mile is it works great for beginners mm-hmm. and it works great for the experience you're let's say you've been running six months and you're out doing your first five k or your first 10k and you just crossed the five minute mile marker and you got a mile to go or you just crossed the two minute mark, the two mile marker and you got a mile to go and this sucks this sucks mm hmm you tell yourself, hey, anybody can run a mile. Obviously, you're talking about the first mile, but you, you don't think <laughs> about that part. You just say, anybody can run a mile. And then you just, you run that last mile, and it really helps. Because it, it, it there is a lot of mental to it. And obviously, like anything else, they they say in order to break a habit or make a habit, you got to do something consistently for 21 days. And you're able to do that. But... Um another thing we need to point out because of your condition and the fact that we live in Florida and it's summertime, we weren't running in the dead of day. We were running at 7:30 at night right around dusk when it's uh getting darker out so that you weren't in direct sunlight, but we were running along we were running a long enough while the sun was up that we were starting to get tans. Mm-hmm. You're starting to get vitamin D because that's one of the things as a lupus sufferer um, you're supposed to take vitamin D pills because you're not supposed to be out in the sun.
0: Yeah, so my vitamin D level was always coming up low in my blood work. That's why she put me on the vitamin D pills.
1: And I don't want to sound like a um, hippie here, but I do believe, especially from all my experience camping and sleeping on the grounds, due to my other, other activities such as World War II reenacting, there is something about being outside that affects the human body. And I truly believe... I could be completely off on this, but you, and you might have an idea because you didn't just run start out running on the road. I believe if you did the same amount of miles on a treadmill, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have the same benefits that you experience health-wise from running outside.
0: I think I would agree with you. I think um, I just lost my train of thought.
1: That's because you saw me fighting a sneeze. I muted my microphone because I got a sneeze coming on.
0: <laughs> I've run on the treadmill before and um, we have a treadmill in the garage and I remember one day I don't know for what reason you couldn't run with me and and I didn't feel comfortable enough to go run by myself so I went and did it on the treadmill and it felt different it it didn't fit I don't know it was less enjoyable I guess I should say
1: the way I subscribe I describe it to people um when you run on a treadmill regardless of what the speed you have the treadmill set to it is, in fact, set to a speed—a speed in which that motor has to maintain—and your body may not feel comfortable at that exact speed. Let's just say, for the sake of description, the um, treadmill is running at a five, or let's say a three, a, a, a three. Well, your body may naturally feel more comfortable running at a three point zero one two instead of a solid three or a two nine point eight eight seven, and so by you running in that three. You're running a little bit faster or a little bit slower than you feel comfortable, and so you kind of have to tune your body into the speed in which the equipment runs at, and it's just not natural. What you discover when you start running on the street for long periods of time is you can throttle your body like you do the gas pedal on your car, Mm -hmm. and you find a comfort zone you may not be comfortable running at, not real speeds. Let's say you may not be comfortable if you were driving at 25 miles an hour. Your body may feel comfortable at 26.2. And so by running on the street, you can adjust your body to run at a speed that your knees feel better at, your back feels better at, and you're not fighting your natural instincts, which I feel from going back and forth, you kind of deal with when you're on a treadmill because you're trying to match the speed of the motor instead of matching the speed of your body running on the earth.
0: I agree. And I think it's mental, too, like you were saying before. Um, When I was feeling at my worst and depressed and, you know, staying indoors, I'd go to work, come home, probably go lay down in my bed, go to work, come home. Um, I was super depressed. And I think now with running outside, it's done something mentally to me. I feel less depressed, if I should say.
1: Oxygen, huge, huge factor. Uh, The vitamin D from the sun. Scenery.
0: yeah, I was going when to say you're same. living
1: your life, you're staring at a computer screen all day, a whiteboard, a TV, the couch, the phone, uh, LED lights in every room of your house and, and in your car. You're basically enclosed in a capsule and you're not getting the outdoor experience that we as humans, because we were undomesticated a hell of a lot longer than we've been domesticated. And so our bodies are trying to adjust to this new life we have with technology, not being physical like we once were when... Our ancestors farmed all day or worked in coal mines all day. Now we have the sedimentary lifestyle, and I truly believe there's something about being outdoors. And I think there's a huge benefit to your health from experiencing that. And just the, I think the seeing birds fly as you're running. Mm -hmm. I mean, we live in Florida. You go running down the running trail, and there's a heron there eating a fish. You got ducks waddling around. You got turtles. You got the dead armadillo on the side of the sidewalk because, well, we don't ever see live armadillos in Florida. The only time you see them is when they get hit by a car. And so you see all these wonderful and things: the
0: rabbits and the burrow owls
1: and the snakes that are laying in the middle of the street at night that you have to jump over because they're trying to get to the burrowing owls.
0: That's the fastest I ever ran when we saw that snake. I thought it was chasing me.
1: <laughs> it was right in the middle of the street. Oh my but. So now you found somebody who has lupus. They're killing it. They're doing 10Ks. They're doing Spartan races. Um, You tried the treadmill thing. It wasn't your bag. You went out and you ran a mile. And I told you, I said, if you run one mile, we will get you new shoes because I don't care. Look, I'm the world's largest Adidas guy. I've been wearing Adidas since I was a senior in high school and I'm now 41. I realize that I can't afford a pair of Adidas running shoes. They're just way outside my scope. And so when I started running, I was running in a low-end pair of Adidas, and I was getting shin splints real bad. My knees would hurt. My arches on my feet would fall. And someone said, hey, you need to get – I call them sanctionees Some people call them something else. Um, I have a speech impediment, and I'm a natural-born hillbilly. So if they have a different name, please excuse us, but we call them sanctionees and Go ahead. Cicconi's? Sanctionies, Sanctionees, whatever. We get them online. You can find them on Amazon for 40 to $50. bucks. they are $130 at the store. But anyhow, that's what we run in, and that is key. Equipment is key when running. Um, I remember I first started out running in those shoes and then board shorts and a big, thick cotton T-shirt. And as time got hotter, that cotton T-shirt, time you're done running, was five pounds worth of sweat. The board shorts don't fit you Right. You were kind enough to get me my first running shorts for my birthday, and I now I'm like running in running shoes, dorky looking compression socks that are pulled way up, my ankles taped up, and um, a pair of running shorts and a neoprene hip pack to hold my cell phone in for my headphones, but other than that I'm essentially naked because I'm trying to minimize my my running gear so that I can run further and faster, but gear is important, so we got you the shoes.
0: I needed the shoes because, like you said, good pair of running shoes is key. My first mile that I did, it was in an old pair of Nikes that I had for years. Mm-hmm. So that run, it really did something to my knees and to the point where I could barely walk. You were actually pushing me yeah, around Yeah, I had to push her on the house
1: in an office chair for three days because her knee was all swollen up. <laughs> and this is by no means a um, plug or a sponsor, but one of the apps that a lot of the runners around here use and we use is an app called the Strava app and it synchronizes with your your Fitbits or your Garmins and it keeps track of not only how many miles you do but you can log your shoes. And because you're technically, if you're going to be a hardcore runner or run a lot to protect your knees and your body, you only want to put about five to 600 miles in your shoes and how do you track that? Well, you put the data of the shoes in your app and it tracks it for you. But um, the problem you're having now is I've been running for a year and a half. I had already ran four or five Ks um, with certain, you know, with past run groups at a time I did 12 miles in one day and 14 miles in one day. And so my um, level of um, training, I can run a lot faster, a lot longer, and a lot more consistent than you could because you just started.
0: Mm -hmm. You tell me I'm a slow runner, (laughs) (laughs) that I run slow.
1: And you found this app because you decided uh, if you're going to run, you want something to run too. and that was you, you decided you want to do a 5K. Mm-hmm. But it was hard for me to, to run at your speed because now I'm slowing my body down. I, I would do it, or sometimes I'd run forward and run circles. But you found an app called the Couch to 5K app. How does that work?
0: Um, basically, each week is different... Um, levels of intensity i guess i should say um you the app tells you you have a five minute warm-up and then there'll be a voice that comes on and tells you okay begin running and then you'll run for maybe i don't know what it starts off with say you're running for three minutes and then it'll have you begin walking then you'll walk for say 30 seconds 90 seconds and then you'll run again for maybe three minutes and then you walk again
1: and the nice thing about this app is it it doesn't say do anything other than tell you that. And so you can play it over your Pandora or your Spotify or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you and I have discussed, um, especially with the type of job you have and the type of job that I have, we're making decisions all day long. And me personally, I don't like to make decisions when I'm running. I like just to to run. And so it's nice to have this app where you're just, someone tells you, boom, run for 10 minutes. This is set one of three. Yeah. And you just run. And you don't stop until you hear, boom, walk for 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so now you don't have to keep track of your time. You're not constantly looking down your Fitbit or Garmin unless you're trying to track your heartbeat. And so it really helps you. And every day the regiment gets longer to where you're running, what, three, 17 minutes, you know, run for 10 minutes, walk for 90 seconds, run for 10 minutes. You're doing that three times, then 15 minutes, until it works up to what a reasonable finishing time for 5K is where they have you run 30 minutes straight. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you did that for six weeks?
0: Yeah, I think I finished it. Well, I didn't finish
1: it. You didn't finish the program? No,
0: because I got to week seven, I think it was, and then that was... You're supposed to do it for eight weeks, and then by eight weeks, you're ready to run a 5K. But um, we decided to run one before I actually finished the app. But I was running, um, I think it was at 22 minutes without stopping. Mm-hmm. Um before we did the 5K.
1: And so what, what I would do is I downloaded that app. I had the couch. to Well, I didn't download that app. I downloaded one called the couch to 10K, which is the same thing, but running longer distance. And so I'd go out and run along with Carrie during her regiment. And then after her regiment, she'd go back and then I would go and do mine. Mm-hmm. And so there was days I was running eight miles a day, which made it easy for me to get my 100 mile month in. And so when you ran your first 5K, I ran my first 10K. And,
0: I think when you got your 100-mile month, I think I had 50 miles. Yeah,
1: so you've only been running for, what, a month and a half, two months? Since August. Since August, mm-hmm. and it's October 19th now, so two months. So within two months, you went from walking on a treadmill, uh, being completely depressed, mm-hmm. being in- interior-ridden. I'm trying to think of a word close to bedridden, but you weren't in bed. You were you know, trapped within doors of your house, your car and, and your work, to now running almost it got to the point where you're you're basically you dove in feet first and you are almost running four or five days a week out of seven.
0: Yeah.
1: And the big day came. Dun 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 <laughs> The five K is coming around the corner. And the day before, actually three Two or three days leading up to it, you kept looking at me, telling me the same thing. What, what were you telling me?
0: That I wasn't ready for it. I'm not ready. No. What? I debated not even doing it, my, just going my and watching knees you. Hurt.
1: I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And I explained to you a couple of phenomenons. One, it's your first race, so you're going to have the um, adrenaline. Two, it's your first race, so anything you do is going to be PR, a personal record. And three, something that I discovered that I'm completely fascinated with, and that is something that I have dubbed the pact instinct. Um, And that is the first time, or every time really, but you discover it the first time you run with a large group of people. When you go to a race and you're surrounded by 300 people and the music pump and they got the techno going, the lights are flashing, everybody's kind of, you know, you've been working out and everybody's got their headphones on. And you're in that crowd. Think of it like a concert, but now that crowd's moving. And you're like a fish, and they're pushing you. And you're walking, walking, walking. And as mm-hmm. soon as you cross that starting line, that crowd's moving. And now you're on a roller coaster. And you're running with that pack. And something kicks in with you where now you're running longer, faster, and more consistent than you ever have without stopping. Mm-hmm. And it's something about it that just kind of takes over your body.
0: That race was my... um like you said, a new PR for my pace. Because when I first started, I think I was at 16. What is it? 16?
1: 16. 16-minute mile? Yeah.
0: No. Yeah, 16 minutes. Um, so you would, you would
1: run three miles, and you're, it would average out to about 16-minute
0: Yes, pace. but not during the race when sure. I finished. Um, I had actually 11-minute pace or 11 to 12-minute yeah, pace. Yeah, so your that pace was, was basically
1: yes. averaging out to 11-minute mile, which yes. is good considering you've only been running a, a – a month and a half at that point right
0: but you're exactly right in the packed instinct i didn't believe you but i was running and then next thing i know i'm passing the mile mark and i'm like oh, i haven't even walked yet so i was able to run maybe a mile and a half before i felt like i had to stop and walk because my heart was just racing and then i got all up in my head thinking my heart's beating too fast mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm in zone five i'm i don't know <laughs> so I kind of got in my head, and I started to walk
1: a little bit. And then you, and then you took off running. And mm-hmm. the the interesting thing about the pack instinct too is you kind of look around, and you're not being judgmental per se, but you're kind of thinking, okay, I should naturally be able to keep up the pace of the person in front of me. Oh, yeah. I definitely should be able to run faster than her. And yeah. so you're you're looking around, and much like a wolf in a pack, based on your natural feeling about your body, your health. Uh, your standings, you kind of adjust yourself. Obviously you're not going to haul ass and run to and get first place, but in the people around you and the pace in which you're all running, you kind of find your natural place in there. And then once you lock in your, your pace speed, you'll start seeing people dropping out. And then all of a sudden you're ahead of them. And all of a sudden somebody will blow past Mm -hmm. you because they got a second burst of wind or they're, or they're um, training their body. They know when to pick up, when to slow down, but it's, it's crazy how you kind of lock onto somebody. And say, okay, I should be able to match their pace. I'm just going to keep up with them, and you kind of use them as a um, not an algorithm. I was thinking the, the the thing that the piano players move that the clock, uh, to tick back and forth to keep your pace. And it's and that's why I, f- I think the other key to running is you have to find the right music. And I listen to the weirdest <laughs> music. I don't know how run. you run to it. I was listening when I was at the gym to um, Dropkick Murphy's. Okay. I can anybody that. anybody remembers the movie Departed? Sailor's Peg Lost My Leg. And because in Dropkick Murphy's there's an Irish punk band, they have a mandolin in the band. And so for some reason, the algorithm at Pandora said, okay, well, you like mandolins. And they start playing a couple other Irish punk bands. Um, and because uh, I'd give a thumbs up to them. But anyhow, a band called the Dead South popped up, and they're from Canada. And only way I can really sub- describe them is they're a what I kind of coined a new age bluegrass, a new age country. It's a guy with a guitar, guy with a banjo, guy with a uh, mandolin, and a guy with a cello who plays it like a, a bass. And what I discovered is this new country music, and, and the lyrics are just insane. But anyhow, the the high speed rhythm of the banjo, plus the Time kept by the bass That was something I could run to And maintain my pace Maintain a good gait A good a good trot And keep time to it And these songs can be pretty long And then other ones followed suit And I started liking all these other different New age country bands Some of them are folk songs Folk music And so when you're running to a song That's got a fast pace to it Like Turnpike Troubadours Is only um, before The Devil Knows You're Dead Or Culture Wall Um when you're when you're running to a song that's seven minutes long, mm-hmm. that ten minute mile don't seem that bad. Cause you're just running and singing to a song. And before you know it, well, that song's over, you're halfway through another and you're already a mile into it. And so I find you know, trust me, in my daily life I listen to more hip hop stuff, but I because of the change in tempo and the way those stations are programmed. I don't want to be running and have extremely slow Eminem song or something come up. It just completely run, ruins my tempo. And so, me personally, I find those songs with the faster tempo and the uh, the rhythm it just keeps me going. And so, I I also think that's a key too.
0: Maybe I need to switch my music up. No, I think your music. Maybe- so I'm, I'm listening to old Beastie Boys channel on Pandora. <laughs> so the old the slow Eminem song that you're talking about is. What I was running
1: to. Sure. But and it's
0: something I could sing to, and I could sing it in my head, and I mm-hmm. know these songs, they're familiar to me. Where so,
1: And that's the other key component, especially to running, or even lifting weights, is taking your mind off of what you're doing once you get your body conditioned to doing that movement so you don't have to think about it, and it's autopilot. And when you're thinking about problems in your life, work, school, relationships, kids, whatever, not only are you now getting physically fit, but you're kind of getting a little mental fit as long as you're not completely screwed up in the head and you're, you're, you don't want to be your own worst psychiatrist. But if you're able to process thoughts and, and clear out the garbage in your head, that's also a benefit.
0: Definitely. Because um, with lupus and fibromyalgia too, you get um, what they call brain fog. So there's times too that your memory is kind of like foggy or... Mm-hmm. So I think focusing on something Like you said helps that
1: And so you ran the race Yes You finished in
0: um, Fourth place in my age group
1: You stepped on it You're supposed to say the time And then you said <laughs> by the way 37
0: minutes But that sounds long I think it was 37
1: 37 minutes yeah. Your first 5k You'd only been running <laughs> for a month and a half The night before you, were, you didn't want to register You said you're not ready Your mm-hmm. knees hurt and I thought not, I was
0: going to finish in 45 minutes.
1: Not only did you finish eight minutes quicker than you thought, but you got fourth place in your age group, and not only did you get the finisher medal, but you got yourself a, a sweet glass with the uh, logo of the race on it. Mm-hmm. And
0: I could have finished in third, but coming across the finish line, there's this little wooden bridge, and it had been, I guess, rainy? I don't know. It the, the, the race because wet. of the
1: 10k, the race started at 645, 6.45 instead of seven to give us an extra fifteen minutes without the sun. And we're running outside obviously, but we're also running by but around a field and through the mangroves and so they had a bridge. a wooden footpath that was three feet off the ground, but it wasn't made of wood. It's made of that new synthetic stuff that doesn't give you splinters because it's technically plastic. And I had to run that course twice, and I thought the same thing. You're, you see all the water bubbles on it, and you're just like, I'm just going to lose it on this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slide across. Because it goes down, and then it hangs up uh, about a 45-degree left mm-hmm. angle. And so you got to take that turn. And in your mind, you're just saying, I'm just going to spill out on this thing. And so you instinctively slow down, or you just say the hell with it, and you go with it.
0: I walked it. <laughs> and then so I stopped running, and I, w- I decided, okay, the finish line's there. I'm just going to walk this. And as I was doing that, the person that I was kind of keeping pace with, like you said, and I'm trying to stay ahead of them, they went by me. And so they took third from me.
1: Thus is the trials and tribulations of the runner. I remember my first race, uh, my first 5K, it was over the bridge downtown and coming back over, because you got run one side and turn on, come back. I walked for like 15 long seconds. It wasn't a walk. It was like a, a fast walk. And then I, I ran... And I got like fifteenth, but if I and I'm looking at the times and if I wouldn't have done that walk I would have gotten like thirteenth. Mm-hmm. And then my second five K I got fifth place in my age group, in which I podium and got a mug, but once again you're always upset because you realize if I wouldn't have taken that extra step or if I wouldn't have paused for that two seconds, I would have shaved it five seconds off and would have got a better rank. And so you, no matter how good you do, you're always kicking yourself in the ass because you're going back and you're you're your worst enemy and you're realizing oh, I could have done so much better if I wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. And no matter how much you run or how much you do whatever exercise, that's just something got, you're got you tormented with.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember at the end of the race, I immediately checked the app. They have an app that you can track how, mm-hmm. how you did, and I wanted to see what I finished time. And then I saw, hey, man, I'm in fourth place. But then I got thinking in my head, man, I hope there's not only four people in my group. And I got last place because I was thinking they there were no other names showing up, but then the people were still running. So,
1: and so I finished my ten k, and my goal was to do it under an hour. My first one ever, and I think I did in like fifty nine twenty two, and I came around, I got my finished medal, and you're like, okay, let's uh,
0: get dried weird? off,
1: <laughs> let's get the hell out of here. I'm like, well, how'd you do? Like I came in fourth place. Like no, 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 we're not leaving you podium. You're like, what are you talking about? I said, no, you podium. They give mugs and glasses out from first to fifth place, and you're no, they don't, no. Because once again, you're your own worst critic. You know, No one's harder on you than you, and so you didn't want to allow yourself to believe that you actually won something other than the same Sorry. ribbon we all get because we paid the 30 bucks to run the damn thing. And that was kind of thrilling, but it was kind of hard for you to accept almost because once again, a month and a half ago for the last year two years of your life you've been conditioning yourself for well this is my life now this is the hand i got dealt
0: Mm -hmm. in the worst shape of my life mentally physically
1: but all it took was one photo on -hmm. facebook of someone else in your same position to change that
0: one hashtag one photo yes exactly
1: And you realized that what I had been telling you all the while wasn't me being a jerk or or trying to sell you snake oil. But what I kind of was trying to get you to realize is that finding the right mental state, realizing that it's in your head, just like anybody can run a mile, whether it's the first mile or the last mile, you can push your body to do things you never thought you could just by forcing yourself to in your head. If you, if you don't get into that mental state, um, and you and I, we kind of had an issue with our daughter one day because when she was running with us, she would tend to slack off and drag and, and We both look at now running like, okay, this is something, it's something on our schedule, something we have to do. And so we get ourselves in that mind state and we're out there ready to go. And she's dilly-dallying. And when someone gets themselves amped up to do something physical, that's not really super enjoyable to do Mm -hmm. while you're doing it, at least when you first start. And it heavily relies on a state of mind. When you have an outside force that's coming in and trying to disrupt that, it can easily blow your night. You could, one minute, okay, I'm going to go out and run three and a half miles. I'm going to kick ass. Now it's like, <laughs> I'm a quarter <laughs> mile in. So-and-so made me mad. I'm going home.
0: Yeah. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Do you lose your, what is it?
1: Motive. Mo- your, 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 motive or momentum. Your, your motivation, yeah. your engine. Because it's, and I don't yeah. want to sound like we're beating a dead horse, but I, and the reason I want to have carry on is I, I feel it's important because, what she's been able to achieve simply by seeing a photo of somebody else in the same condition to her, that maybe sharing her story will motivate other people with lupus, because by the way, she has already motivated people who even don't have lupus, but people in her life, and this is a weird phenomenon too, because I experienced it, Whenever I'd start going to the gym back in the day, I would check in on Facebook. I wouldn't post any, oh, I went at the gym, I'm better. A lot of times just, ugh. I simply would check in so that I could personally go back to my timeline and see how many times I went to the gym last week, how many times I went to the gym last month. And I would and I would start getting messages from my reenacting friends or people I went to school with who all on their 40s now saying, hey, senior check-ins motivated me to realize, well, if he can do it in his, at 38, 39, 40, 41, I can do it too. And people would start walking again, and then they would start losing weight, and I would see these photos. And and then when I started running, I was posting pictures, and I went to one of my veterinarian clinics, and the doctor hadn't seen me in a while. And she's like, what the hell happened to you? I said, well, I lost 30 pounds. And she's like, really? What are you doing? And I talked about the gym, the running, and this and that. And... They probably went three months later and I hadn't seen her and I came back and she was down fifteen pounds. She's like, um, seeing your photos online, seeing your check-ins and the amount of weight you lost and realizing you're my age, you've motivated me. And so now she's doing all exercise, she's lost thirty pounds more. I think she's got her husband into doing it now. Um a lot of people on my Instagram page follow me from the hashtags of the running and all that. But now you, because with your posting of your Strava images and the amount of effort you're running. There's people in your family who just started running now. Uh, There's other friends that reached out to you. And so it's so weird. It's not a ego thing saying, Hey, let's bring on the podcast and people will just, we it's, there's truth to it. It's not going to affect everybody, but if this podcast can affect one or two people with lupus to make them realize that yes, I don't have energy Yes, i got to deal with spoons, but you, and by proxy, the person that motivated you, here's two examples of people who are going through the same condition, which, by the way, one of them has fibromyalgia on top of it. Mm-hmm. So they're dealing with two things. No, I have no intention of running, but hey, maybe I can get the energy to go back to the, quilt, the quilting club that I used to do every Wednesday or go bowling like I used to. Or whatever passion or hobby that you had that you felt like, well, I got to give it up because I got this condition that's going to wipe me out. So if you can go out and run a five k after a month and a half of training and get fourth place in your age group and and get an eleven to twelve minute mile pace on your first race, and by the way, you're not done. You're still running. You're you The first thing you said to me when I'm done is, "What's the next race?"
0: Yeah, I want to do another one.
1: I don't- it, and I know you're like me five years ago if you would have told either one of us, hey, you fools are going to be running. Hey, Carrie, you're going to run 50 miles in September, and, Don, you're going to run 100 miles. You're crazy. I hate run. I don't run.
0: I don't think. I didn't think I'd ever enjoy running. I didn't think it was my thing. No. And I do enjoy it. I mean, it's, like you said, you suffer. Yeah. It's not the funnest thing to do, but afterwards, the feeling of accomplishment, I guess, and you do get a, a so, runner's high or... Adrenaline, it it does something to you.
1: Well, and not only does running affect you physically and mentally, but I think it affects you financially and career-wise because running is nothing more than you challenging yourself against goals that you've already set or you've already beat in the past. I want to run a mile today. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna to work to run in my first mile. I did it, okay. My next short-term goal is. Is I want to run three miles, okay? I ran two miles today. I ran two miles and a quarter today. Tomorrow, and then one day you, you ran three miles.
0: Or oh, I want to pick up my pace. I want okay, to pick up my I'm pace. Fifteen. Now I'm twelve.
1: And you do this. Next thing you know, you're running for forty-five minutes. Well, if you take that same thought into your personal life, into your career, or whatever. Hey, in six months from now, I want to, I want to get this promotion that I know that's available, or I want to get this thing, this project done, or I want to paint the house or whatever. If I can go out and run for an hour and be in pain or 45 minutes, or I can do this and this, doing this other thing is easier. Yes, it's a pain in the ass. It's not something I want to do, but it kind of just makes you realize that if you look at everything as a short-term goal or a challenge or something you have to do, it makes, I don't know, to me, I find it makes doing other things that I don't want to do that much more um, palatable. You ever even thought I about
0: think, that? I didn't think.
1: I don't know, to, to me, I mean, everybody's different, but to me,
0: I, I... I mean, it makes sense. I've just never looked at it that way. Like, you like...
1: Well, especially now, like, for me, I run through. I have three podcasts, and I have goals and yeah. things i want to do for each podcast now it's like okay well i'll schedule this one for this day this one this day i want to get this one to get this many listeners i need this many downloads this podcast is take me there now i got the youtube channel going by the way you can go to youtube.com look up digital 410 we have a uh, channel now <laughs> and i got to get these videos edited i got to get these podcasts edited and they're just short-term goals and once again it would be easy just to sit around and just not do any of this i mean I agree. It's, it's a saturday night i just ran three miles we could just be in there chilling watching tv i just did 30
0: minutes of yoga and you just did 30 minutes <laughs> i of yoga. wanted to run see that's the big thing i wanted to run and i was actually depressed that i couldn't run but i have to listen to my body and the running is kind of hard on my knees sure and i don't know if it's because of a past car accident or if it's lupus involved but i have to listen to my knees and that's the drag right now because i'll go run and then i'm out for three days because of my knees but the one thing is, in the past sort of been like, okay, I can't do that. It hurts too much. Or, but now I'm like, okay, I'll just come home, ice my knees, and tomorrow's a new day. We'll <laughs> try it again tomorrow.
1: If you can internalize this enough and try to process it, if you were, if you were to look at yourself where you were four months ago mm-hmm. compared to where you are now, mm-hmm. uh, mentally, physically, happiness outlook on life do you think you're about the same no completely different
0: completely different 100 percent different i feel healthier i feel i'm almost i even said to you i think um not too long ago that i feel like 10 years younger just because i feel like i'm in the best shape that i have been in a long time um physically and mentally i i was going through deep depression deep depression and now um my outlook on life is better i don't dread doing things that i used to before
1: um yeah yeah because once again if you're out running two miles throwing that little laundry ain't that bad (laughs)
0: let's just get washing dishes or
1: cleaning the
0: floor isn't that bad
1: yeah it's it's all once again it's all mental it's all like well i've been able to accomplish this thing. It takes a lot of energy and effort. So this other thing ain't that bad. Mm -hmm. Do you think, um, I know I hear you all saying, well, you know, um, running's bad on your knees, as you heard her say, and running's the worst thing you can do to your body. I was
0: actually told that by somebody.
1: And we all were. That's something, uh, that's something all runners face. And to be honest, I think, um, heroin's probably the worst thing you can do to your body. Uh, meth, Uh, sitting sitting around (laughs) being morbidly obese where you have fatty liver disease and um, diabetes um yes running's hard on the body but let's be honest with ourselves anything that requires mobility is hard on your body think about your daughter who plays volleyball who blew out her ankle last week yes she's young she'll bounce back but if she didn't play volleyball that wouldn't happen what about your uh Son or daughter who pitches, and now the rotator cuff's torn out because they pitched too many pitches last season. Now they're hurt, not for a season. Anything you do. I grew up, I spent 18 years skateboarding, 14 years snowboarding. I always had twisted ankles, bad knees. Anything you do in life that revolves around any physical movement, there is an inherent dangers that you risk. You play golf, you might pull out your back. You play racquetball, you might take a ball to the eye, or you might, you know, blow out your rotator cuff. Tennis has its own ailment called tennis elbow. Repetitive stress syndrome. Is that reason to never play tennis? No. You go out, you play, you get injured, or you, you you start getting some little wear and tear, you you try to figure out how to adjust for it, maybe get some physical therapy. Um if it's real bad, see a specialist and maybe they might say, Hey, it's time to stop that activity. But all you gotta do is take the drive and the motivation of that that activity. And aim it towards an activity that you can do and that will help you achieve your mental goals and your health goals. Um, If there's anybody listening to this who's suffering from lupus, fibromyalgia, or any other ailments who have been conditioned to think, well, this is it. I'm in for the long run. Um, And they're down because they're not able to do what they thought they could do now obviously with some diseases there truly are ailments that you can't get up but um would you think it's fair to suggest that people maybe depending on what their ailments are talk to a doctor and see if doing something physical is worth it do you think it'll help them mentally
0: i think so like i said every case is different but I remember when I first got diagnosed and the doctors did suggest exercising. And um, my
1: mom, who also had fibromyalgia, used to tell me, well, just tell her to move. The more you move, the better you feel it. I tell you, you it look like, "Uh, shut up. You don't know. You You don't don't know what it
0: feels like. And I'm too exhausted or I can't go to the gym. I worked all day and I cleaned the house. I can't do that. Um, I guess you need to change your mindset and that will allow you to do more. And I know everybody's different. There are some... Cases that are more severe than mine. Um, I'm part of a Facebook group that is lupus. And there's this one person in there that, I don't know if it's every month or every couple months, she has to go get some type of IV stuff in her um, in order just to have to live. Sure. And so I'm not saying, go run. run. You get up and run. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, So everybody's different. And go for a walk. Try to go for a walk or just... um,
1: And it doesn't have to be anything physical. I mean, we're not trying to get, we're no. not, we're not, you know, um, Jack LaLanne, just... you know, whether it's, you know, like I said before, whether you used to, ha- I used to paint, I used to love to paint. Now I have this disease and I just don't have the, the energy to paint. Try to paint something small. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised. And the thing I want to warn you guys about, um, support groups, especially the digital kind, um, a lot of people use those for two things one to express how down they are about something but unfortunately what tends to happen more is people go there to try to express how much more they know about you on a certain subject and you and i experienced this with (laughs) a group about parrot owners and you know you first get a parrot we we rescued some parrots and we want to make sure we're doing everything right just like when you join your lupus group you want some ideas and hints and things that people can help you out with and some people have good intentions but what we discovered with that parrot page no matter what you do to that bird no matter how much you take care of it how much you you follow the doctrine there's always people on there who want to point out what you're doing is wrong Mm -hmm. you're a horrible pet owner you shouldn't even try and so you you kind of got to pick through those groups and try to find the information you're looking for but not get too wrapped up into the social aspect of it because you know sometimes those groups can actually demotivate you i mean with that pair group you know we're doing all the things we know we're supposed to do but they, you see people well, don't do this don't do that and you're like well i've done that once or twice mm-hmm. am I horrible? I like pet terrible
0: owner? bird owners
1: and even though we're better than 60% of the people out there because we've done the research, but you have the diehard to, you know, they just treat it like gospel. And so you just feel like a horrible pet owner. And so sometimes you might find yourself in that situation where you have a medical condition or something and you're trying to research it and find the positive. But the negative is just so inundated to that particular page that sometimes it's all you can focus on. And you got to, you kind of got to be wary of that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've even posted in that group. I joined it to, I guess, see what other people are going through and sure. read their posts and say, oh, okay, yeah, I've experienced that. So maybe that is normal. And so just to kind of relate to people who, like you said, are going through it as well because others who are not, they don't understand or you can't relate to them, I guess, so.
1: If there's anything you could say to someone who's listening to this that doesn't suffer from these things but know people who do, um, if you could be the voice for some of these people, what's the one thing um, those who are living with somebody with these, with lupus or even fibromyalgia, um, what's something you could tell to them that maybe they're, the person suffering from it wish they could just get through their heads to understand a little better?
0: I would think, I would say just to listen to them and maybe educate yourself on what they're going through. I know when, um, I was first diagnosed, I, I asked you, um,
1: Oh, I couldn't be bothered.
0: (laughs) He couldn't, he had other things going on, but I would ask him, please, you know, look it up. I'm not crazy. See, this is why I'm tired. This is why I'm in pain. You know, this is why blah, blah, blah. But, um, Just listen to them, you know, be there for them, I guess, and educate yourself on what they may be going through. Support them.
1: And realize that, um, especially with lupus, it's a long haul just to find out what the heck you have. We have a friend of ours. We used to uh, bowl with her and her boyfriend at the time. She was having all these weird symptoms, and I remember we live in Fort Myers on the West Coast, and she was driving to Orlando, sometimes Miami, going to all these high-end doctors, spending all this tons of cash to figure out what in the holy heck is wrong with me. And three years after you got diagnosed, they finally diagnosed her with lupus. Mm-hmm. And so, and her symptoms that weren't right on exact with yours, but they were similar, but... Um, Not enough that we did the math and did the correlation, but yeah. And so now she's kind of going through the same thing you are. Um, She's taking a different aspect. She's actually going with more of the um, trying to minimize the effect through diet and um, Eastern medicines. And so, you know, everybody has their own way of trying to deal with it. Obviously, you want to take your Western medicines to help. But uh, for her, she found her comfort in dealing with it in her own way, and that is through um, diet changes and, and alternative medicines. And so, for everybody out there, you know, just because you've been unfortunate enough to be the recipient of this horrible prize, it's not a death sentence, and it's by no means. Don't let the um, the depression aspect just completely destroy your life or. Your relationships, or just yourself, your your mental capacity, and your desire to to move, to work, to uh, do the things that you love.
0: I agree. And this is.
1: Go ahead. Awesome. That's right.
0: I was gonna say, like you said, don't let it destroy your relationships. Yeah. Because. Um, we were there (laughs) it was destroying ours and but
1: well when you you got two people going through two different things even though they're they're experiencing the same thing one's dealing with it one's trying to deal with the person who's dealing with it and there's just overwhelming overwhelming and a lot of communication but uh don't give up try to find something positive and um you know if you're able to and you're not sure you're able to try, try to get into some sort of physical fitness regimen. Even if it's something small as walking, um, it, it, I can't express the amount of, um, of a life change. Losing even 30 pounds can be to someone's world.
0: I agree.
1: (laughs) I'm going to give you guys another little secret. Um, and I told Carrie to do this too, and she did, and she got the same result. I said, look past the overwhelming sense of being a narcissist. Um, prepare yourself for comments, but do this post, post, post on Facebook, especially Facebook. Instagram, you know, people are more willing to accept that. But the one thing I love about Facebook is people love to crap on people who are doing things that they can't do. And so what happens is, is they kind of think you're showing off or you're belittling them when you're not. When you're simply posting, "Hey, I'm at the gym," but because Facebook and our society likes to call people on their nonsense, and we love to bust people down, what what happens is, is you're posting, "Hey, I've lost this weight. I'm running this," and you're at work, and you're having a lapse in judgment, and you're walking through the uh, the food room or the break room and you're considering and someone spots you looking at that donut, they're going to say, Hey, that's an extra two miles because mm-hmm. they love to call you on your nonsense. Because as far as they know, you, you, you think you're this all knowing thing, which it, which isn't the, the case. You're simply just sharing your experiences because that's what social media is supposed to be. People sharing what they do in their lives. Sadly, my life's so boring that all we do is run. And so that's what we share. And people think we're showing off that ain't the case. But because look, people love to call you on your nonsense. It keeps you motivated to continue doing what you have been doing because you don't want to give them the satisfaction of busting you on it. And I think there's a a big component to that because I dealt with that when I worked in radio. I'd be uh, walking in the break room and looking over at that honey bun. Say I want that honey bun. Salesman come up. Hey, that's an extra thirty minutes in the gym if you eat that. And so you you get the peanuts instead and you walk away. And so I I I I often find that that uh, keeps you going. Kind of like when I go to the gym, I'll wear a shirt that says "Text Not uh, reps, not text. It's making fun of people who uh, get on their phone in the gym. And I'm not doing that to be a jerk to make fun of those people. I'm doing that because it prevents me from getting out my phone because I don't want someone taking a picture of me wearing that shirt while texting at the gym. <laughs> and so it keeps me motivated just to turn on the music, lift weights, lift weights, don't stop, don't pull my phone out of my pocket, don't check Facebook because I don't want to be seen wearing a shirt that says reps, not text when doing something that looks like I'm texting on my phone. So that keeps me honest and keeps me going at the gym. And it's just stupid little things, and it it makes you laugh. The other thing I like to do, I'll get a black coffee from Starbucks, but I'll carry it around the gym. And you know people think, well, here's a guy working out drinking some frappy mocha with 13,000 calories and when truth be told, I'm drinking a black coffee with four calories in it. But it just gives me something to smirk about, and I just like to think that maybe people think I'm just crazy because I'm drinking a white chocolate mocha at the gym instead of the actual black coffee that I am. Just stupid things like that make me laugh.
0: You put too much thought into it. I Nobody I, cares what you're doing at the gym. I put
1: too much thought into everything, but it keeps you honest. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes life fun. Because, hey, you know, life is short, life is hard. And you got to find things that motivate you and to keep you going and to motivate the people around you so you can uh, do something positive with your life. And Because uh, life's short, life's hard, one day you may wake up dead. Do you have any final thoughts for people out there who are listening to this little episode? Who have any uh ideas or um maybe want to know where to go they're suffering from lupus um support groups what have you
0: um no i guess reach out to your family the, my biggest support is wasn't family um like you said i don't know about the support groups i'm not really a member of any support groups except for a group that i follow on facebook um i guess lupusfoundation.org you can go there and find information or maybe share information with your family members. Um, and I guess don't let it be a death sentence. Uh, don't let it control your life. You're in control of your
1: own life. Because as Chris Rock said in his special Bigger and Blacker, people say life is short. No, life's not short. Life is long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't want to spend that long life suffering because you think you have to or locking yourself in a room. Yeah. Because even though life is long when you're... Seventy and turn around, and looking back, you realize life is kind of short, and you don't want to waste the, your one trip around on the on the big blue globe. Thank you guys so much. Thank you all for uh, sitting in and uh, listening to this. Hopefully, if you have lupus or any other ailments and have been struggling, hopefully Carrie's story has helped motivate you guys. And uh, you know the deal. Go to failtofail.com. And do all the things we asked you to do earlier. And share this podcast with uh, someone who may be suffering from uh, the same thing. Who you feel might need a little motivation in their life. And we will see you guys here again soon. Thank you guys so much. And Carrie, thank you. Um, thank you. Any big plans? What's your next short-term goal for your fitness?
0: my next short-term
1: goal yeah um, what are you done running no you, you did your 5k is it over with what's your, your next no, goal we're
0: running um i'm hoping to run one in december well we actually have one that we're hoping to run october what is it 26th but it depends on my knee but otherwise no i'm gonna keep running um my short-term goal is to finish a 5k in 35 minutes how about that one Hey, I bought a pair of size four pants today. (laughs) There you go.
1: There you go. I mean, you're down what forty pounds? I mean, we talked about the first thirty, but now you're down a full forty pounds since you first started doing this. You were in a size. Yeah,
0: let's not even talk about that. And now you're down
1: to a size (laughs) four. Let's just
0: say I'm in a size four.
1: And one of my goals—I don't know if you remember this—when I I told you before I ever started running, I looked. You said I want to do one of these Spartan races, (laughs) savage races. And you said you don't run, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> fine I'll start running And then you, And then the, the the lupus And the fibromyalgia And you came out And said you shouldn't run You're gonna have a heart attack And die Me? You? No me Yes you told me And so <laughs> Okay well now I gotta run Hey And uh
0: I was a supportive
1: No you were joking around Well to <laughs> give you credit Um You know someone Who was training for a race And they had a brain aneurysm oh, yeah. And someone jarred mm-hmm. And now they're Learning to walk again So that kind of Scared you as well yeah. But anyhow, um, so when I first started all this running nonsense, I wanted—I started wanting to do it because I wanted to do a Savage Race because you told me I couldn't. So um, tune in uh, here soon. I'm doing my first Savage Race November 9th or 10th. They haven't told me which day I'm running in yet, which, by the way... You people who run Savage, that's great. Now we don't know what day to run a hotel room yet. i got to wait till a week prior and then pay extra rates on hotels. But that's neither here nor there. Tune in. Uh, hopefully the next episode will be post My Big Race, and we'll talk about that. And we'll have some other encouraging uh, people on the show to help you find some motivation in your life or help someone else find motivation. Thank you guys again for all of your uh, support, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Carrie.
0: Thank you.